Hello and welcome to this episode of the PD Smash Podcast. In this episode, we have a good one for you. First, we're going to talk about NFL free agents for the 2021 offseason. Then we're going to talk about Tom Brady's talent and how that correlates with the rest of the league. After that, we're going to talk about the Nets' improbable comeback last night. And then finally, to wrap up the episode, we're going to talk about the Western Conference playoff picture. So, without further ado, thank you for listening, and cue that intro. They can say what they want now. So, first up, we have the top free agents of the 2021 offseason. So, we're just going to go through some notable names and talk about where I think they're going to end up next season. So, first we have Dak Prescott. And for Dak Prescott, I don't really see any other team other than the Dallas Cowboys picking him up. Unless the Dallas Cowboys just don't offer him a deal at all. Because he just seems like a Dallas Cowboy type of player to me. And I think even if he doesn't want to be there long term, I see Dak Prescott viewing the Cowboys short term offer as a way to get his value up. Because after that scary knee injury, oh no, foot injury, my apologies, I don't think there are going to be many high bidders up there for him. So I think that at the very least, he'll take a short term deal somewhere, probably with the Cowboys. But he might really want to be a Cowboy, so they could work something out long-term as well. And I think stability-wise, Cowboys makes the most sense for Dak Prescott. So I don't really see him going anywhere else. Now, second, we have Chris Godwin, who I think could potentially be on the move. Because unless he wants to make some sort of, like, huge, and I mean huge pay cut... He can't stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of their cap situation and the fact that they will have almost no cap flexibility if they like pay everybody the amount they need to be paid. I don't even think it's possible with all the free agents like Chris Godwin, like Levante David. I just don't see them all being able to re- re-sign. I just don't see that happening. Without that, yeah, like, Shaq Barrett's a free agent, too. It's insane. So, I personally don't see them being able to re-sign everyone. And I think the position they are most stacked at is wide receiver. So, they think they let Chris Godwin go here and have Antonio Brown run that second option for them. Because they do need that moving forward. And I think Antonio Brown will be good for that. But I don't think Chris Godwin is going to stay in Tampa Bay unless they pay him big. And I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be willing. With that in mind, I could see him going somewhere like possibly the Baltimore Ravens. Because the Baltimore Ravens don't run a lot of like number one wide receiver type of routes in terms of like big streak routes. Like they don't run a bunch of like big body receiver routes. They run a lot of like slot routes. And that's what Chris Godwin would be really good at. So I could definitely see him to go someplace like the Baltimore Ravens, especially if he wanted to contend. 
I mean, he could also go somewhere that's rebuilding or one tier below. If he wanted another wide receiver to go along with him, he could go to Washington and see if my man over there or whoever they draft in the draft can throw passes to him and make his him break out again or bounce back, I should say. So I could see him going somewhere like Washington as well. But I would say my biggest number one would either be to the Baltimore Ravens because they need wide receiver help or going to the Green Bay Packers because they do need a number two wide receiver there and Chris Godwin would fit very well. Now, after that, we have Allen Robinson, who I don't think is going to stay with Chicago. He does not seem happy in Chicago. And Chicago's quarterback situation is a mess. So I don't think he's going to go to Green Bay because I don't think he necessarily wants to stay in the cold weather either. So Washington's kind of out there as well. So is Baltimore. I could see him to go to the Dolphins maybe because the Dolphin because the Dolphins need like a true number one over there. And Allen Robinson would provide that. I could see him going somewhere warmer weather. Maybe he does decide he likes the cold weather a little bit more and goes to someplace like the Colts who could use him or the Baltimore Ravens again. But I don't. I think the Baltimore Ravens want someone that's a little faster. That's why I like Chris Godwin there more. But I could see him, def, Allen Robinson, definitely going to the Miami Dolphins because the Miami Dolphins need a big body receiver who, to a tongue of Iola, or Ryan Fitzpatrick can just throw the ball up to every once in a while and he can come down with it. Now next, we have Trenton Williams, and I honestly have no idea where Trenton Williams is going to go. It all depends on what he wants to do. If he wants to stay in San Francisco and see how the quarterback turmoil there shapes out, he could. If he wants to go to a team like the Baltimore Ravens, whose line is already good, and maybe just bolster it a little more and try to go title there. Maybe go to the Seattle Seahawks where they need help on O-line and he could run he could run at right tackle or left tackle because he's so good. So wherever they need him there, he can just kind of fill in. So I could definitely see Trent Williams moving around a lot and go to a lot of different places. I think, though, his best option, if he wants to contend, is going to the Seattle Seahawks because I think the Seattle Seahawks really do need a offensive line and I think that's their main issue above all else because their offensive line is not good and if their offensive line is good it's going to allow Russell Wilson time and when Russell Wilson has time man can he throw some amazing balls next we kind of have uh we have Kendall Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions now I'm not going to be completely honest I know a little bit about Kenny Galladay, but I don't know a lot, a lot. And he is a good receiver, but I don't necessarily know if he's a true number one. So he's also still not young, young, but if he would want to sign a one or two year deal and see if Jared Goth could pan out, I could definitely see that happening. But he could also want to go somewhere where he has a little less pressure on him with which I know Washington, but Washington right now is a good destination because if Taylor Heineke can continue or whoever we draft can continue to be decent, then you get two weapons, someone to 
A, take off the double teams and Terry McLaurin, and B, someone who's the safety valve, so you don't have to be that in Logan Thomas. So Kenny Dolladay could definitely go to something like Washington. Tampa is another good idea for him. If he wants to go to Tampa Bay to go ring chasing, that's also a good idea because they are going to lose... My apologies. They're going to probably lose Chris Godwin. So Kenny Dolladay going there would be another good one. But I think overall he probably just stays in Detroit because that's where he's going to get the most money. And I think that is also one of the only teams that can really take him. Will Fuller, I think, just stays in Houston. This is pretty simple. As much as he does, like, might want to test out other free agent markets, his value is pretty shot because of the PED thing. So Will Fuller is probably just going to stay there. Leonard Williams, I don't know why he would leave the New York Giants. He just had a breakout year. They're trending in the right direction. Next year, they'll be even better than they were last year. So I definitely see Leonard Williams just keeping up and keeping the same, like keeping the same trajectory and just staying with the New York Giants. Now, Justin Simmons, I think probably goes somewhere who needs safety help and is probably, and is contending. Whether that is Seattle who needs safety help, run, run him obviously on the opposite side of Earl Thomas, not Earl Thomas, my apologies, Jamal Adams. Or you could go someplace that may need some safety help like Green Bay because Green Bay could use that safety help with Justin Simmons as well. Other than that, I don't really see too many options where he could go. Kansas City doesn't really need him, so I don't think Kansas City is going to like really throw him an offer. I don't see much of the top echelon of echelon of teams trying to get him because most of them already have pretty good safeties. So I see I think he probably either just stays with Denver or goes to a team like Seattle. Next we have Levante David. And if Levante David does not resign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I will be a very sad person because Levante David was the Buccaneers for so long. He was the main reason they were good for so long. He is an amazing player, and I really do hope he stays. But in the event he doesn't, it would be great if he went somewhere if he went somewhere that really needs linebacker help. I know I keep saying this, but Green Bay Green Bay really needs linebacker help. So that would be amazing for Green Bay. And then also you got to think of like Buffalo needs a little bit of linebacker help. He, they have a couple good linebackers, but Levante David would definitely elevate that. But really, he's going to need to go to a place with a lot of cap space if he doesn't stay in Tampa, which I doubt. But if he doesn't stay in Tampa, I see him going somewhere like Seattle, maybe, or like Green Bay or Buffalo. Next, J.J. Watt. And I think J.J. Watt, honestly, goes to the Green Bay Pack goes either to the Green Bay Packers or Steelers because even though there's he is severely interested in the Browns, I don't think that that's going to end up panning out. And I think he's just going to either go play with his brother because that would be really cool or he is going to go to his home, home state and play for the Green Bay Packers. Now after this, we got Shaquille Barrett, who I think Shaquille Barrett is a very consequential free agent because I think he's very underrated but I do believe that Shaquille Barrett 
is going to also stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that Tampa Bay is going to let Chris Godwin go and pay pay those two players to stay. Pay those two players because that defense is what won, won them the Super Bowl more than anything. Because, yeah, Tampa Bay put up however many points, but a team like the Chiefs could have easily put up 30 or 40 on them as well, and that could have been a close game. But because their defense was so locked down, it gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers no pressure. It made it a lot easier for them to do what they do best, which is manage the clock. Now, after that, there aren't like a lot of free agents. I think Aaron Jones is the last one I really want to cover. And I don't think they necessarily pay Aaron Jones if you're Green Bay because you drafted that player last year. Uh, last year, and I think they're trying to poise him to take over. So, I think re- I think Aaron Jones does actually hit the free agent market. And with that in mind, you're looking at places that really do need a running game. And if you're Houston, I think you're calling up because if you really are serious about keeping Deshaun Watson, the first thing is to get a good running back, and that's what Aaron Jones is. I think. Also, other than other than Houston, I don't really see very many markets for him because unless you don't want to go to Buffalo, because I could definitely see Buffalo throwing him a bag. But almost all of the contenders, you like Tampa Bay, like Green, like Green Bay, incidentally, uh, like Kansas City, like like the Browns, like the Steelers, they all have good running backs. Even though James Conner didn't really show it towards the last half, he was dealing with some injuries. But all the like contender or kind of contending teams have good running backs other than the Buffalo Bills. So I can definitely see him going to the Buffalo Bills. But other than that, maybe the Houston Texans. But I do not think he'll resign with the Green Bay Packers. Next up, I wanted to talk about Tom Brady's talent in the modern NFL. Because... I've been seeing a lot of different takes on this and a lot of different perspectives. And it seems like the narrative kind of shifted from one polar end to the other polar end where before this playoff run, Tom Brady was considered maybe a top eight quarterback. And then after this playoff run, he's being considered as the best quarterback in the league. And I just kind of want to slow the roll down on that a little bit. Because although Tom Brady is undeniably a top five quarterback and arguably a top three, he's not the best quarterback in the league. I'm sorry. Did he outperform Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Did he outperform Patrick Mahomes? Yes. Does he mean does that mean he's better than either of those? No. Aaron Rodgers at this point is better than Tom Brady. And same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Now Aaron Rodgers just kind of choked, not going to lie. Aaron Rodgers choked, and that game was just really horribly managed in the third and fourth quarter by both Aaron Rodgers and the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. But on the other hand, you literally saw in that game that Patrick Mahomes was the better quarterback. I'm sorry, but unless you were watching a different game than I was, Patrick Mahomes was literally hitting so many different throws throughout that entire game that no one else can hit. 
you're telling me there's not another there's a that Tom Brady could literally throw a four, 30 40 yard pass while falling down I'm sorry it's just not no Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback that line was just atrocious, so he didn't get any time to throw the ball. And even when he did hit his receivers, his receivers didn't catch the ball. And not only that, but P.I. was rampant in that game on both sides, but it was only called on one. So I really don't want to hear, is Tom Brady the best quarterback? And a lot of people say yes, because the answer is no, he's not. Is he the greatest quarterback of all time? Yes. Is that fact undeniable yes is he the greatest player of all time in the NFL yes is that undeniable yes I'm sorry I'm a big defense guy too but Lawrence Taylor Jerry Rice they're good though not good they're the best at their positions but they are not as good as Tom Brady but Tom Brady right now is not the best quarterback in the league because the best quarterback in the league is Patrick Mahomes. The second best is Aaron Rodgers. And then maybe you could stick Tom Brady in there. If you don't want to stick Deshaun in there who had a great year. If you don't want to stick Josh Allen in there who had a great year. I would personally stick Brady at three. Because I do think Brady is the third best quarterback in the league. But I don't think you can really truly say he's the best quarterback in the league. Because that's just recency bias because he had a great playoffs do not get me wrong but he was aided by the best receiving core in the NFL the best tight ends in the NFL arguably two of the top five or six receiving backs in the NFL and one of the best offensive head coaches in the NFL so yes Tom Brady is still a great quarterback but he's not the best quarterback in the league he had more weapons than Patrick Mahomes did on all fronts during that game. And I'm sorry, but just Aaron Rodgers choked. There's nothing more to that. Aaron Rodgers just choked that game away. There's not more I can say about that. But just in terms of body of work, Aaron Rodgers is proven he's the better quarterback. Maybe not necessarily the quarterback I'd pick to win a playoff game, but he is the better quarterback out of the two at this point in both of their careers. Now, I wanted to talk about the Nets' unbelievable comeback against the Suns and what this means moving forward. Now, I wanted to attack this from two angles. One, I wanted to attack this from what this meant for James Harden specifically. And then I wanted to attack this from what this means for the Nets as a whole. So first, let's talk about James Harden. Now... For James Harden, this is a big deal because of what it could mean for his legacy moving forward. Now, in terms of individual accolades, the beard is one of the most accomplished there ever is, or there ever will be. He is perhaps the greatest scorer of all time. But... In terms of team success and championships, he doesn't have any, really. He has, made, I think they won like the best record in the league once or twice while he was in Houston. Before that, in OKC, he didn't really count. Like He was the third best player, maybe, if not the fourth, behind Sergi Blocka. 
And then just in general, the beard hasn't had that much postseason success. However, this, to me, showed that he was ready to win for his team. Because he was able to show that he wasn't just going to sit there and score and then not do anything off-ball or defensively. He was engaged in every facet of the game at all times. And that is very encouraging to see if you are a fan of James Harden or a fan of the Brooklyn Nets. Because if he can continue to play like that in the playoffs, then... You're going to get not only a motivated James Harden, but a James Harden that is the best version of himself on all facets. Because personally, I'd rather have a James Harden scoring 23 points, giving me 12 assists, giving me 7 rebounds, and then also giving me great low post defense, giving me okay perimeter defense, and playing off ball and as a team player versus hey, James Harden giving me 35 a night with no off ball movement. With, yes, 10 assists, but most of them just forced assists. And then no defense on the perimeter in okay defense in the post. So, I really, really, really do hope that this is a good sign to come for the Brooklyn Nets. Because if James Harden continues to play like this, they will be a dangerous, dangerous team. And should start being considered the favorites to win the championship. Now... For the Nets, this is a big, big win because it showed that the bench players and the role players can step up in big moments. You had Jeff Green doing really well. You had Joe Harris doing really really well. Cabarone had some big moments in that game. And just overall, it showed that you could close out games with the squad you had. And that's very impressive. So I think that for the Nets... This was a really big win, not only for what it showed now, but also for what it will show later down the line in the playoffs in a Game 6, in a Game 7, when you need a bucket or you need to come back from 10 points down and you don't have to rely on just KD, just Kyrie, just Harden. You can rely on all three of those guys, plus the role players who can all step it up and perform in the clutch. Tyler Johnson two in this game. I know that's a little off topic, but Tyler Johnson in the third and fourth quarter was magnificent. So if they can get that type of production out of him in the playoffs, they will be a happy, happy team. On the side of the Phoenix Suns, I don't expect them to lose something like this again, especially when Chris Paul is giving you as many points as they did. When he went off in the fourth quarter, I think this is a learning experience for Monty Williams because although like some of the coaching wasn't like, some of the errors weren't all on him. There were certain things like plays he drew up and possessions that happened that were definitely coaching. And especially giving Devin Booker the ball in the final minutes was not a smart move. You would you should have given Chris Paul the ball in those minutes because even though Devin Booker is your star long term, to win this game, Dev, uh, Chris Paul had the hot hand by far. It wasn't like Devin Booker and Chris Paul were both doing well. Devin Booker hadn't scored much since the first quarter. Chris Paul had 17 points in the fourth. This was just a game where you had to give the ball to Chris Paul. And they just didn't do it. So I think this will be a learning experience for Monty Williams. And I think the Suns will grow from this game. 
finally, I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about the Western playoff picture and how I think that will shape up towards the end of the year as we are a little more than the third of the way through the season. So first up, we have the Utah Jazz, and I expect the Utah Jazz to stay around the one, the two, or the three seed. I think they probably do just stay the one seed. I thought up into a couple games ago that they were probably going to fall to the third team, the third seed, because of how good the Clippers and the Lakers were playing. But after seeing that AD went down, in that the the LA Clippers have cooled off a little bit. I really do see the Utah Jazz keeping that number one seed throughout the remainder of the season. Next, we have the LA Lakers, and I think the LA Lakers will probably finish with a third seed. I'd say a third, maybe a fourth seed, but I would think a third. I believe LeBron can keep them afloat, but I do believe that the Clippers will be able to inch ahead of them while AD is injured. And then when AD come back, I think they'll stay about parallel as they've been doing this entire season. So I don't see either team like pulling ahead of the other. So I think these two weeks are going to be a little critical. And I think that the Lakers will eventually fall to the third seed. Now, as I said, LA Clippers think they'll go to the second seed. That's not that, like, I don't believe that that's that big of a deal. I don't think that's that hot of a take either. I don't think that that's just what's going to happen. Now, for the fourth seed, Portland Trailblazers, I see them falling probably to the sixth seed by the end of this because although Damian Willer has been able to keep them afloat, their defense is horrendous. So as time goes on, Damian Lillard is just not going to be able to clutch it out every time, every single time. And as the seventh seed is only two games back, from Portland, I could I most likely see them falling. I think the Phoenix Suns are going to get the fourth seed because I think the Phoenix Suns are going to do really really well. I think that this loss to Brooklyn was a fluke, as I said, and I think they're going to continue to hit their stride the more and more they get throughout the season, and they're going to continue to rise. Now the San Antonio Spurs, I think they're going to fall and they're going to continue to fall. I think Denver's going to leapfrog them. And I think Golden State at some point is probably going to leapfrog them as well. I think they're playing well, but I think that this team is going to slowly start coming back down to earth a little more and a little more. And I think they'll either get the 8th seed or the ninth seed by the time the play-in tournament runs around. And I actually don't see them winning the play-in tournament at all. Now Denver, I think will probably get the 5th seed, maybe the 6th seed depending on how where they play. So they're two games out from the fifth from the fourth seed right now. So they could easily move up to the fourth seed in the next couple of days. So I could definitely see the Denver Bronc Denver Nuggets capturing the fifth seed or the fourth seed. I think I see them as a fifth seed probably. Now Golden State I think will probably get the seventh seed. I think they'll move up one as San Antonio starts to fall back down to Earth, and I think that in the play-in tournament, they'll be able to capture what they need to capture or win into, into get into the playoffs. After that, we have the Memphis Grizzlies, who I think will eventually fall out of the play-in tournament. I like the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're a good young team. The West just got significantly better over the offseason, so it's just going to make it that much harder for them to make the playoffs 
and I think that there are just too many good teams above them for this to make much sense. Now, I think Dallas does get in the play-in tournament. I don't think they necessarily get, and I think they do win a game. I think they do end up getting in the playoffs because I think the, uh, I think the Luca and Porzingis are going to figure it out more and more as time goes on, and I think that they will stay in this tenth to ninth seed, and that they'll beat they'll beat the San Fran, uh, the San Antonio Spurs and get in. Next, I I think New Orleans will be the second team to get into. No, I don't actually. I think New Orleans is going to just hover right around where they are now. I think they'll just barely miss the play-in tournament. I think they'll be like a game or two back because they're a good team, but they don't know how to close out very well. And Stan Van Gundy is not a good coach for the modern NBA. NBA. Like, why do you not give Zion more than 16 shots? It will baffle me to the end of time. It really will. Then for Sacramento, I think they're kind of in the same boat as New Orleans. Luke Walton's not a great coach, and I think that's going to keep them in below-average territory going into this season, going into the rest of the season. Now, I think that Houston is actually going to have a bounce-back run. I have a lot of faith in Houston. I think once Christian Wood comes back and is healthy, I think they're going to go on a run, and I think they're going to be able to capture the 10th seed. And I think once they get that 10th seed, they will be knocked out by Golden State. But I think that they will be able to make a run, and I think that Golden State's going to knock them out because they just simply don't have that star. And then for the 14th and 15th seed, I think they're pretty much in the same boat. If you're OKC, you want to lose because you have all those draft picks. Your your team's extremely young. You get someone like Cade Cunningham in this draft, and then next year you start trying to win, and then you have all those draft picks from the Clippers. You have a couple draft picks from the Phoenix Suns. You have some draft picks from the uh, Houston Rockets. Like, you are, you're set. You are just set. Long term, you're set. So, just keep losing. Keep being the 14th seed. And then Minnesota, there's not much you can do. Ant-Man looks good. Anthony Edwards is Ant-Man. But, yeah, Anthony Edwards is amazing so far. He's getting better with every passing day. And I think that next year, they'll be poised to make a playoff run. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the PT Smash Podcast. If you want to contact me and you're listening to this on my blog, you can go to the contact page above or you can go to my homepage and scroll all the way down to the bottom. There you will find my phone number and you will find my email address. Please text, do not call because I will not pick up. If you're listening to this on my YouTube or Spotify, you can go to the link in the description and then follow the direction stated if you would like to support a man you can subscribe to my youtube channel and follow follow my spotify as well as subscribe to my blog if you want to hear more about what i think on certain topics you can go and check out a previous episode of the podcast or you can check out my blog articles that i post every week as i said before thank you so much smash fans for listening And until next time, PD Smash, signing off. They can say what they want now. Cause we'll be screaming.